1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Kenny Wallace Show, brought to you by Jegs. Where, where's it? There's that badass diecast. Welcome to the Kenny Wallace Show, as I've already said. Why are you repeating yourself, Herman? Brought to you by Jegs, the leader in high-performance aftermarket car parts. And remember to go to Jegs.com. I Ricky, I always, always want to sing that. I always want to go dot com. But
2: anyway, yeah. That's welcome to the
1: show, my friend.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Glad we're glad we're doing things to get asked to come on the Kenny conversation.
1: Well, I I do like to say that I think I know you a lot better than the other drivers. And I think our commonplace is our love for dirt racing. And my dear friend Nick Hoffman loves you so much. He considers you his brother. What are all those pictures in the
2: background? Uh, uh, I'm in our war room here at JTG Doherty Racing. So uh, you'll see uh, the Watkins Glen win. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how you point backwards. That one right there. Yeah, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's all backwards. But um, yeah, just old old pictures uh, of JTG Doherty Racing from uh, back in the day. Out in the shop, we have all the updated pictures. Um, Obviously, we're a single car team now, so you see my face everywhere throughout the shop uh, being the, the single car team here. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm in the, uh, the throwback room, I guess.
1: I always tell my friends on the Kenny conversation, Ricky, that this is a conversation. It can, it can steer all types of different ways. And uh, I just want to start out like this. You know, when I was a kid, my hero was Dick trickle out of Wisconsin rapids, Wisconsin, or, um, uh, Terry Bivens from Shawnee Mission, Kansas. And I'm telling you, third is Ricky Stenhouse from Olive Branch, Mississippi. That is such a badass name. Uh, Tell me about Olive Branch, Mississippi. Do do the announcers tell you they they like saying it? Do you like saying it? It's such a cool name.
2: I like it. I love where I'm from. Um, You know, I always thought that, you know, when I – made it to NASCAR. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to move back home to Olive Branch and I'm going to fly in and out of Olive Branch. But obviously that wasn't the case. Uh, I'm still in North Carolina, but, uh, no, I love being from Olive Branch, Mississippi. Um, you know, it was a, a great area to grow up in a uh, lot of racing around the, the mid South area, which obviously is, is the reason that, that I'm in racing. My, my dad was in racing and uh, raced around the mid South area, you know, all while I was growing up. And, and, you know, obviously a a few, I think a few years before I was, was born, but uh, yeah, I I love where I'm from and I get to go back every now and then. Uh, I got to go back uh, after our big win. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Going back for, for big reasons is, uh, is always neat.
1: So I want to get to that. Uh, But before we do, I want to ask you about your, your, childhood, your area there. Now, I don't want to dive deep into it, but let's lay the format out. Am I correct that you came from wing sprint car racing? Is that the first type of racing
2: you did right there around Mississippi area? So, when I was four years old, well, I started racing BMX when I was three, but I think when I was... Whoa, back four. up. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. You're an athlete. Yeah, you I bicycles bicycles and then and i really like that and then i got my first dirt bike i was 4 and so i started riding it a lot and i think i was 5 years old my dad took me to a go-kart track and there was a dirt bike track right next to it i spent half the day on the go-kart track half the day on the dirt bike track and then at the end of the day dad was like which one do you want to race oh my- and i picked the go-kart so uh that's how i ended up racing go-karts at at age five and raced those until uh, I was 15 years old and then jumped right in the sprint car. So those are the two things that I ran uh, the whole time.
1: First of all, that's an amazing story that your dad gave you the choice. You, you chose something that you didn't have to pedal so hard and wear that's yourself that. out. <laughs> but when you got into that sprint car, I mean, like right now I'm too old, but when I got, I got into a sprint car, say five years ago, it was... Overwhelming for me. What a what a. Was it violent for you a wing sprint car when you first got in it?
2: So it was a three sixty. Um, you know, so I feel like the four tens when I get in them now, I'm like, holy cow, like these are wild. I got so yeah. much power. <laughs> and I feel like almost like behind uh, because I've you know ran three sixties pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, I've I've had really good success in four ten racing, but it's been a long time since I've done it. You know frequently. Uh, but I gotten, there was a, a new racetrack uh, down in uh, Tunica, Mississippi. It was a big three eighths mile dirt track. Um, you know, there was a lot of quarter mile racing, you know, a- around our area and they built this new big track and they had a play day. And this was about halfway through the season in 2003. I was working on my dad's car. I would get him ready for him. You know, he was at the engine shop, you know, all week and I would, you know, kind of help get the car ready during the week and we'd go racing on the weekend and, uh, and dad would race. And so we were on the way down to that, you know, practice day and dad was like, all right, are you ready? And so I got in about halfway through that practice day, ran 10 laps. And then, uh, my dad, when I came in, he's like, all right, you know, you're racing next weekend. I'm done. He has not got back in a car since.
1: We we're gonna get to the Daytona 500 here in a minute, and your and your new life, and your wife. But yes. hold on. Your dad builds motors. He's a mechanic and he's a race car driver. And right. one day he said, "I'm out. You're in."
2: And the one day the the day that I I made ten laps at uh, the new track the the new track there in Mississippi, uh, made ten laps. He had he had tested you know that morning. Um, or for the first half of the day, and then I I ran some laps afterwards, and then I ran the next Friday night, um, you know, at our uh, local track there, and he has not been back in a sprint car since.
1: You know, I believe you're the very first Kenny conversation uh, where you're. I mean, I think Kenny Schrader's dad raced a little bit, but Tony, you know, everybody else we've had on here, Tony Stewart, Mark Martin, Joey Logano, no, nobody's dad raced. I think you're the first one where your dad raced that's at a cool. high level.
2: Yeah, he he was really good locally uh, and traveled around, raced some outlaw races. Never did you know outlaw racing full time, but um, yeah, he was he was really good um, in a sprint car. And my my parents got married at noon on a Saturday. My dad raced that night. I was born at noon on a Saturday, and Dad raced that night. True. true. So my mom's a saint.
1: The, and and that's where the phrase. And we use capital letters, RACER. That's right. You, to, to be a real racer, you have to have a checklist. And your dad, although that was crazy, he's a racer.
2: <laughs> well, I can't believe my mom let him do it, but um, <laughs> she let him do it. It was, uh, it was crazy. A cool story to tell now. Yeah, well, Ricky, let, let's, let's start
1: the Kenny conversation up. As I tell everybody, I let the fans look at it. I did my notes on you. And right. uh, so I believe this, I'm not going to say year, but I'm going to say this is a new time in your life where you got married and you won the biggest race NASCAR has to offer, the Daytona 500. Now, winning the race alone is a big deal, but you get married to the love of your life. So I draw a circle around those two stories. Is this, are you living? as of right now at your age, is this the greatest time of your
2: life? For sure. Uh, for sure. The greatest time of my life. Um, you know, the first, we got married, uh, October 26th of last year. Right. Uh, so there was two, two races left in the season. Um, those two races did not go well, but our whole season didn't go well. So, um, yeah, we, we had a, a great honeymoon after the season and, uh, Things have been things have been on an upward trajectory. Uh, I, I saw uh, the Instagram post, man. You
1: guys did not mess around. I I want to go where you all went and uh,
2: yeah, beautiful. we we enjoyed the beach. We went to Bora Bora. Uh, That's it. Basically, there was uh, nothing to do but hang out with each other, which was fun. Uh, yeah. you know, we, we needed that. Um, obviously, after after a long season and then having everybody in town for our wedding, it was uh, which the wedding was amazing. Um, I
1: saw the picture. And then,
2: yeah, that that was that was cool. Um, you know, I complained about you know cost and things like that, but I told well, her I, I told her I was like I, I would do it again uh, with yeah. her because uh, because she nailed it uh, with our wedding planner. So that was cool. But yeah, I mean, you know, starting off the season, um, you know, we we got a lot of good things going here at JTG Doherty Racing. A lot of people bring up you know Mike Kelly being back as a crew chief. Uh, Madison likes to remind everybody that we also got married. So, you know, those two things go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, greatest, greatest time period of of my life and, and looking forward to, uh, you know, kind of building on that and building on our future.
1: So, um, let's talk about your wife and your vacation just for a second (laughs) with my wife. Sometimes I feel like in my house, it's like business, you know, take the trash out, pay the taxes. And when when Kim and myself when we go anywhere, anywhere by ourselves, I look at it. And I'm like, "Why? Well, how you? How you doing, honey?" So, on your on your vacation, Bora Bora, where it's just you and her, nobody can interrupt you. Don't you? Did you catch yourself like it's like, "Hey, it's just
2: hi." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so when different? I go on vacation, I like I like to not use my phone. Like I I'm like. I'll be off of it. I don't have to social media. I don't have to, I don't want to check in at the shop. Like I want a a pure vacation. And um, especially on our honeymoon, it was, you know, we worked out every day. We, we just did random stuff, you know, that, that they had to offer there and um, enjoyed just spending time with each other. And yeah, not having to take the trash out, not having to take our dog out to go to the bathroom. Uh, You know, she wasn't doing laundry, which she loves to do. She loves to, Keep our house spotless, um, you know. Before the the cleaning lady comes, she's cleaning to to make sure everything's good. Uh, so none of that. Uh, we just hung out with each other uh, and and had a lot of fun.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We took it all.
1: We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth... We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
0: Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I like that. You know, my, my dad, my dad was a clean person. Uh, he would come in all the time and take his hand and go on top of the refrigerator. And, if, you know... Listen, I loved my dad, but he was yeah. hardcore. So it sounds to me like your beautiful wife has got some structure built in. Ricky, we're going to be go clean here now. On,
2: on the clean. <laughs> I really enjoy. Uh, yeah, I love our house being organized and clean and definitely better than, uh, than messy.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the Daytona 500 specifically. So you win that race. We see it. We know how you want it. You are a great race car driver. You have a hell of a year going right now, and we're going to talk about that. But let's zone in on the Daytona 500. You win the biggest race in the world, okay? I mean, we got the Indianapolis 500. I'll give it to them. I, I You know, I mean, they got their deal. We got our deal. And, That's and, right. And I admire everybody. But, listen, you win the Daytona. You win the you Daytona, end both. You take win both. Yeah, right? you win the Daytona 500 i wanna zone in on how that i mean you're still ricky but tell me how you viewed things in that last week like you know you get on the plane you you get 2 hours sleep the breakfast new oh, york tell me about the Daytona 500 winning it
2: uh i would i would go through that again no sleep man it was just a whirlwind of a week you know we yeah, you know, obviously I think I, I I I added it up. I think I was like averaged the whole week, like three and a half hours of sleep. You know, maybe the whole four, week. The whole week, like every <laughs> and that was after I slept in one night. So um, you know, so being tired, running on adrenaline, uh, it was it was all worth it. Getting to do that with my wife, going to Chicago and New York and coming to the shop and Uh, taking pictures with, you know, the crew guys that weren't at the racetrack, you know, taking pictures with the trophy and hanging out with them, promoting the sport for a week. I mean, that's something that, you know, I, I think I used to kind of take for granted when I used to, when we used to have to go do all these things, uh, to promote the sport. You know, you're also, as you know, promoting yourself and and your race team and your partner's and that was something that I got to do for a solid week. Um, you know, I got to promote, you know, what we were able to accomplish as a race team. Uh, you know, our, all of our great partners in, in the sport of NASCAR in its 75th, you know, year and, and the 65th anniversary of the Daytona 500. Uh, that was special, and and I took a lot of pride in that. And you know, didn't complain about being tired or, or the no sleep. Just uh, took every opportunity that we could get. Um, you know, in Chicago and in New York and any phone interviews, um, you know, just took advantage of that. Luckily for us, it rained a lot in California. So I got to really catch up on uh, rest and sleep out there, but uh, all in all, man, it was, uh, it was just an unreal experience. Uh, You know, you, you think you know what it's going to be like, but you don't really know until you do it. So when you win the Daytona 500, you get the,
1: champion ring and you know it was it was the great kyle petty that said to me you're not the daytona 500 winner you're the daytona 500 champion yeah you know it's a big difference the crown jewels are like championships events so where is the ring uh and and what about a trophy uh, how how'd that play out
2: yeah so i've got the original trophy uh it's displayed in our house um that's the one trophy Madison let me put, uh, you know, out and about. That's, the other it, ones are a in a, you know, the. It's jewelry. Yeah, yeah, it's a jewelry. Um, I've got, uh, I got the the ring in the in the safe. I, you know, took it with me, obviously uh, promoting the race, you know, that week. But, you know, I wasn't gonna, you know, continue to wear it. It's it's yeah. pretty big. Um, got a Rolex, which was super cool. Um, what kind of Rolex? It, the Daytona. The Daytona yeah. Rolex. So, how much do you think
1: that rings? Or that Ooh. is that a $10,000 watch or like five grand?
2: Might be more. I think it might more be more than 10. Second. Well, good. We want it to be a
1: $50,000 yeah, watch. Huh?
2: Yes. Uh, so, I've got it in the safe. Um, That's badass. Yeah, I wear it on special occasions. But um, yeah, those, those three things came with that. And it was so cool. And you earned every bit of it, buddy. So,
1: when, when you win the race, you do breakfast the next morning, but you still don't see. Your complete team. So, are you telling me you don't see the complete team until be,
2: like four days later? Or when did yeah, you go back? On the- Wednesday. I came to the shop on Wednesday. Um, Monday. The cha- so the champions breakfast on Monday uh, was at like seven, but I had to be in Victory Lane at six forty-five doing interviews for Good Morning America. My team got a champion's breakfast. I did not really get to eat because I was doing interviews. And then <laughs> I had to go back to the media center.
1: No uh, food for you.
2: Yeah, no food for us. So, uh, But I had Waffle House about you know 1.32 o'clock in the morning. So I was still full. I was, I was ready to go. Uh, but then I went to uh, – then we went to Disney uh, Monday afternoon, which was so cool. And then Tuesday went to Chicago – Got home Tuesday night from Chicago, went to the race shop on Wednesday morning uh, through lunch, and then flew out uh, for New York that afternoon. So I got back to see the team guys uh, on Wednesday.
1: And when you arrived at the shop, was it a, they were ready
2: for you? When you, when you walked in, you had to be nervous a little bit. You like, <laughs> oh, here we so go. Like the rest of the shop met our team guys back on Monday when they, at the airport. Um, they all they were all out there that was I really saw the cool videos. To see videos and pictures of that uh but yeah they were all ready for me when i came in we had a lunch uh took pictures with everybody but i mean they were they were digging on our california car they had to get it ready um yeah. you know because uh, it had to leave so they were thrashing uh but everybody was working with a big smile on their face
1: so to wrap up the Daytona 500, uh, it, it's nothing we gloss over, Ricky. We take all the time we need to. It's our biggest race. So the car that you won the race with, where's it at right now?
2: It's uh, it's in the 500 Museum. So the team after the race tears it all the way down. NASCAR inspects literally everything. Engine, you name it. Then they got to put it all back together uh, so that it can go into the museum Monday morning. Um, oh, yeah. I haven't been to the museum to see it. So uh, that's one thing I'm going to do in August when we go back is uh, go in the museum, check that out. I get to see, uh, I think they put my, you know, handprint and footprint and stuff uh, yeah. in the concrete uh, asphalt or the, the sidewalk there. Uh, get to go check all that out. Um, but yeah, I would say it probably cost our team a little bit of money to win uh, because yeah. they had to buy a whole nother uh, car. car. Uh, seat, you name it, they had to buy oh, everything
1: good um, point. because
2: everything stayed in that car. So. And the seat, the seats are like twenty thousand yeah. dollars, or is that too much? I think they're like fifteen or so. 15, uh, yeah. uh, I I don't know. Um, I'm glad the team takes. These are things that. that fans like to know. You know, the yeah. I mean, like it, and- it literally probably costs us money to win. Yeah, <laughs> well, which is crazy. But it, hey, they wouldn't trade it for anything. That's right. That's right, that that Jay Actually, the guys yesterday uh, just got, uh, they let uh, the team guys order um, like three-quarter scale or a quarter scale of the trophy. So they all got their trophies in yesterday. Uh, so they were all pumped up about that.
1: Yeah. I want, I want to go back a little bit. Brother Rusty, Dale Earnhardt Sr., Dick Trickle, so many great people. Kenny Schrader, uh, they give me words of wisdom, and they they say, Herm, it's sad to say, but you have to remind people, because people remember what they want to. So, I want to remind everybody that you've checked all the boxes. You are a 2011-2012 NASCAR Xfinity champion. You you earned your way into the Cup Series. You when you got to the Cup Series, you're the 2013 Rookie of the Year. So you, you've checked all the boxes. When you went from Olive Branch, Mississippi to Roush Racing, tell me about that phone call. Tell me about how did that connection, how did that happen?
2: So 2006 uh we had a really good season in sprint car racing. Uh running Wing sprint cars, uh 410s um with the All-Stars all throughout Ohio. Um won a lot of good races, big races. You went all the way to Ohio. Yeah, we were racing. I was racing for a, a kind of a group of people, group effort with my dad and uh some car owners from back home, some car owners from Ohio and like um you know, we just had a good season in 2006. And then at the end of 2006, um, Motorsports Management at the time, MMI, was trying to get, was trying to hire me um, or to represent me. They wanted, yeah. they wanted to represent me. They wanted me to recognize recognized them. your talent. And so I've kind of put them off for like kind of halfway through 2006. Well, Chili Bowl of 2007. The old Chili I Bowl. Ended up, I ended up signing with them. And... So I signed with them, I think, around Chili Bowl in 2007, and that was in January. February, I went to Manzanita Speedway out in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. I raced a non-wing sprint car, and I was racing uh, for Carl Edwards and RE Technologies Racing in their Silver Crown team.
1: Well, back up. And, we, we, we can't gloss over this. Uh, you drove for Carl Edwards, the race car driver?
2: Yeah, so— Carl would go back and run USAC races in the silver crown series. And he would run for this team based out of Memphis called RE technologies. Roger Johnson um, owned it. And he helped a lot of, a lot of people race uh, in the mid South area and even some on the outlaw tour. So he's been around racing for a long time. Well, Carl, you know, put his name on it uh, was getting some help from Ford um, on engine side. And so had his name, um, you know, on the race team. So, we took their silver crown car to, I was running all the dirt races um, in the silver crown series in in 2007 for them. And they had room in their trailer to take my sprint car. And so I'd ran two or three non-wing sprint car races uh, up until that point. But we went to Manzanita and we won the sprint car and the silver crown uh, race in the same, same night. And Tony had his cars, Tony Stewart had his sprint cars there and Midgets, and Silver Crown, and Casey. No wonder you're a cup
1: driver nowadays. We got to, my
2: Lord. And and so then one of Tony's guys got hurt in March or April of that year. So because I was signed with MMI, they said, hey, uh, they called me. I was uh, driving down the road. They're like, hey, um, Tracy Hines got hurt. You're going to fill in for Tracy for the rest of 2007. Uh, You know, head over to Tony's shop. You know, get your seats, and uh, you're going racing over there. So I was like, holy cow, this is wild. That's, that's,
1: that's Santa Claus coming to town.
2: Yes. So, but after Manzanita, I guess I can back up a little bit. After we won Manzanita, uh, MMI flew me to um, North Carolina, and I met with, at the time, Max Jones was the general manager at uh, at Roush Finway. And so I met with him and I said, Hey, you know, what do I need to do to, you know, to get a chance at running, you know, say the Arca series or whatever. He's like, I just keep winning races and we'll talk at the end of the season. Well, obviously that was a Ford team. Well, then all of a sudden I get a call, you know, to go race for Tony and a Chevrolet team. And so we had to kind of let, you know, Roush know and Ford know like, Hey, I'm going to go run for this, you know, Chevy team. And they're like, all right, perfect. You can go run asphalt, uh, figure out asphalt. Uh, because I'd never really ran asphalt. You're a full-blown then, dirt yeah, racer. Yeah, I'm a dirt racer, and so they're like, get some time on the asphalt, and then at the end of the year, we'll get you back, and so, you know, then 2007 happens. Tony's talking to Jack. You know, we had kind of had a plan. Well, at the end of 2007, I ended up signing with uh, with Roush Fenway in October, so I told Chevrolet, hey, I'm gonna go race some arca cars. Uh so when you yes, say Tony, gonna...
1: you're talking Tony Stewart, right? Tony Stewart.
2: Yes. Tony Stewart's your friend. He is. He wants you to drive for him. This I is... begged him forever to drive for him and then all of a sudden he let me and then um and then, then he sudden, couldn't. And <laughs> all of a sudden here we are, you know, racing stock cars. That's a sound bite then, right there. Then Chevrolet was like, Well, go figure out stock cars, then we get, then we'll get you back. Well, obviously I was at, you know, Ford and Rouse for, for a long time and um and then you know now I'm now I'm on the Chevy camp. So um, you know it was just kind of a whirlwind. I went from 2007 in January signing with uh, MMI, not really knowing exactly what I was going to do in 2007, to winning out there racing for Tony Stewart uh, in the whole USAC series all of 2007. Signed with Roush Fenway in October of 2007. And then all of a sudden I'm going through the gates of Daytona in February of 2008 to race an ARCA car. It was wild. Crazy. It was wild. So,
1: you know, when I look back at your career, uh, there was highlights. Uh, the one thing I remember is that, well, let me, let me kind of compare myself with you. when, when I grew up in, in ASA where I always ran 200 lap racers and I was never feisty enough. I don't think you were feisty right away because you, you, you knew you had a six lap dash. That's right. So you had to go now. So when you went to NASCAR, how hard was it for you to understand that? Hey, I, I gotta go. I gotta run 200 lap. race. How did that take some getting used to that? You didn't have to kill yourself right away.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I had to get used to a lot of things. Uh, waking up early and going testing <laughs> on track at nine right. o'clock in the morning. I mean, like, mean I, I was used to eight thirty. Yeah, I was used to staying up till two o'clock in the morning and sleeping in. Well, man, my first few tests, I remember, I would be fast in the morning session, but after lunch, I would just kind of start getting slower and slower. I'm like, guys, I don't, I'm, I'm worn out. So uh, I had to get my sleep pattern a little bit, but no, you know, I think, you know, looking back um, at my stock car career, it definitely took some getting used to of, you know, even if the car wasn't right, just taking what the car gives you, make an adjustment on a pit stop and, you know, go out and try it again versus, hey, the car's not doing what I want. Let me try and make it do what I want. You know, on asphalt, it's not near as easy as it is on dirt to make it do what you want and you can't shake
1: uh, you can't shake an asphalt car no you just gotta take
2: what it gives you the and push out. it took me a long time to learn that and then i finally you know i mean i was racing against you in like 2010 when it was still the old school you know cars and then we i think we ran those four races in the the new style uh you know back then nationwide series cars and those four races, uh, man, I felt really good in those race cars. I don't know, they just—I felt like I could feel them better. You know, obviously they were a lot bigger and uh, kind of bulkier than than what we had been running. And I just, I just loved them ever since I got in them. And we were fast. And that's when I was like, "All right, 2011 is going to be a good season. Like, we can we can get this accomplished uh, and, and get our goals accomplished of winning a championship." Nobody really thought we could because we had kind of a rough 2010, at least half the year, and then we ended strong. But um, that new car definitely helped my stock car career. Yeah.
1: Well, you're what we call a diamond in the rough. And uh, they polished you up and look at you now. uh, You're getting it done. So, okay, this is a point in the Kenny conversation where we talk about now. We don't like to go back, but, you know, Rick, I think it was very important. We always want to let – the kids that are watching, and we know there's a lot of people that tune into the Kenny conversation because they want to know: Is is Ricky Stenhouse like me? Can I be like him? And you just Damn. told us your path. You know, you had to earn every bit of it. Go out the yeah. Manzanita, win, and uh, you and your dad. Uh, so let's let's talk about right now, clean slate. So you win the Daytona 500, and now all of a sudden, Ricky Stenhouse running in the top ten every week. 7th, 7th, you know, five top 10s, a handful of top fives. You're 14th in the points right now. Yes, sir. That's big time. You know, this is not Formula One. We don't have 20 cars. We have 39 or 40. So, you know, I think we all want to win. But listen, top 15 is big time. Uh, Why are you running so good this year?
2: Huh. uh, there's a, I feel like there's a long list. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, last year we definitely learned a, a lot about this new race car. And it, as the whole sport was, you know, trying to learn, felt like we learned at a slower rate because we were a single car team. And so there was a lot of things that we couldn't, we couldn't adapt, uh, quick enough, you know, throughout the season last year. Um, and, and we learned a lot of things not to do, um, got married, I do think that uh, you know. I mean, I look back at people's career, and it seems like after they get married, they definitely you know, seem to race a little better. So Quit I, going I, to
1: the bar so much,
2: I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't. Quit partying so much. I didn't spend a whole lot of time at the bar, but I did hang out with Nick Hoffman a lot at my house. So we yeah. did stay up a little later than we probably should. But um, you know, I think getting Mike Kelly back over in my corner, you know, was was a a, a good you know, uh, game changer for me because I feel like he know he knows me really well. He knows how to get the most out of me as a race car driver. Was he your crew chief at,
1: at one point in the? He race was my crew the- chief uh, in
2: 2011, 2012 when we Duh. were at our championships. And so we've done a lot of things together. We've accomplished a lot together. He still feels like he has more left to accomplish in this sport as a crew chief on the Cup side. Um, he's been a cup crew chief a couple of times, not really felt like he got to show what he's worth. And so you got somebody that's hungry, um, you know, leading our ship now and who has confidence in me probably more than I have in myself. But watching him throughout this shop bring that same, you know, kind of mentality to every single worker that we have, whether it be our engineer, our, our, you know, car chief, our tire changers, he brings out the confidence in them. And, and I think that, you know, when you have a car that everybody has in this sport, we got the same chassis and same bodies as everybody else. It's little things like that that, that push us forward. We have a stronger tie with Hendrick this year than what we had and, and that we've ever had in years past. Uh, and the same goes with Chevrolet. And so I think we're putting all those things together and I have a different mentality of of showing up to the racetrack. Uh, We have different goals and, you know, take Daytona aside. We're hitting the goals that we set, you know, the season out to be. And, you know, that's, that's cool. When you accomplish a goal one week and then you do it again the next week and you just keep doing that, uh, you just keep building more confidence. And like you said, we're 14th in points, uh, we don't get crashed by the, uh, yeah. by the Austin's this Austin, weekend Austin and, and we're it's close so to getting 10th you. points, we're, you know? And so we still feel like we can get there by the end of the regular season. And man, that, I would say if we could get back to, you know, 10th and points before the end of the regular season, uh, that would be almost, uh, as big of an accomplishment as winning the Daytona 500 for us this year. Obviously, you can't replace the Daytona 500, but for us as a race team and what we've set our goals out to be this year, uh, that would be a huge accomplishment, and and we're on the verge of that. And so we got some tough tracks going forward, uh, but you know this this year I felt like we've been strong on every track we've we've shown up to to race at, and uh, that's been fun.
1: I want to touch on that uh, worldwide technology race. Uh, you're going down the the front straightaway. Once again, you're running in the top 10. You were up to six. You were running six for a lot of the race. Yep. And and I call it getting bitch slapped. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going down the straightaway. And, and ex, of course, I know, but explain it to the fans. When you're just running and all of a sudden it's like somebody comes out of nowhere with a two-by-four and knocks the hell out of you. Yes. What was that feeling like getting hit so hard and not knowing it's coming?
2: Uh, that, I mean, like, like you said, you know how it is, but, uh, I guess most of the fans probably don't. I mean, it is just getting blindsided. I mean, it, it I mean, it, you're, you're more in disbelief. And then like, all of a sudden you're like, what, what just happened? happened? Like, <laughs> I'm like I'm running like say 10th or 11th or wherever we were at the time on that restart. And right, we're still on the straightaway and I get, you know, hammered by the, you know, in the left side of the door. And, you know, when I went back and watched it, I was like, dang, like, it looked like two guys have been getting into it, you know, and and from the sounds of it been getting into it uh throughout the whole race. And maybe the last restart uh that kind of bowled over and uh yeah. you know, we were an innocent bystander of that. Which was a bummer. I mean we'd finished every race up until that point. Uh we'd been on a of a hot streak of top 15s which i felt like obviously we were gonna you know accomplish that again and my guys had you know given me a great race car um but you know last year at gateway we were a 30th place race team i think i mean we were slow we were not good uh and then so for us to like kind of flip the script and now all of a sudden we were you know running the top 10 all day um still a lot of positives to take away from the weekend uh, even though we were bummed about the uh, the outcome.
1: Yeah, I I compare what you just said. I get it. When you get on a roll, you don't want it to come to an end. It's, it's like bowling, right? You're bowling all these strikes. I mean, yeah. I got a 300 game going, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have a spare. I, I understand that I get that. Well, Ricky, we're already at 40 minutes, and that's, that's how these Kenny conversations go. So we do this with everybody. We did it with Tony Stewart, Mark Martin, and I always tell our new guests, I, I, I tell you, I let you know that this is the time of the show where we ask every driver the exact same question. All right. And we don't want you to get in trouble. They're not; It's not provocative. However, it is all about NASCAR. And the fans want to know this stuff. It's the stuff we all talk about behind closed doors. So it's three parts. The first one is this. What is your opinion of the state of NASCAR right now?
2: My opinion, I think the, the state of NASCAR, you know, is, is in a really good spot. Um, you know, I, I came in in 2008, you know, and I felt like it was, you know, massively way up here, and I've seen it go down. Um, I've seen the teams go down. But I feel like everything from the teams, the fans, drivers uh, in NASCAR, I I feel like we're continually climbing and and we're, we're way past where I, you know, I felt like we have been. Um, That being said, I mean, there's always, there's always room for improvement. And I think NASCAR.
1: We're trending upwards now.
2: We're trending upwards. I think NASCAR is, is way more proactive now than they've ever been. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that might not agree with everything that they do, but uh, they are innovative. They're they're working, you know, and constantly trying to do things to you know continue to grow our sport. And you know, I think every league is, every professional sport is doing the same thing. I mean, golf is in seems like it's in shambles right now. But yeah, yeah, they're all over
1: and, and BGA.
2: And so you know, I like that NASCAR. You you can't just sit back and and let it play out. You got to. You got to go try new markets. You got to go back to old markets. They've realized that that's something that we had never thought about in the past as a sport, or at least, you know, the top, the top people in NASCAR haven't thought about going back to North Wilkesboro. there. We did mass, you know, great crowd. You know, obviously it's not a massive crowd compared to, it looks um, good. It looks good. Uh, but compared to like a, you know, you could be half empty at Texas and still have more people, but it's about, you know, the excitement that North Wilkesboro brought to to that weekend. And, you know, so I, I, I like the sport um, and the state of the sport that we're in right now and, and where we're going. A lot of old school fans, you know, don't know about Chicago. We don't either. Uh, we're about to find out, right? So, um, you know, NASCAR doesn't either, um, you know, but if you don't try it, and you don't go to it, you'll wonder, you'll wonder about it. And, um, you know, I think, I think they're doing a good job with it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the next one is, uh, the next gen car It is a game changer. We've never seen anything like it. Uh, you know, some people say it's based off the Australian V8 type car, one lug nut, you know, everything we just said. So what is your opinion on the new next gen car?
2: I think, I think we've nailed the next gen car in areas. And then I think we've swung and missed in, in other areas. Right. Um, again, you know, NASCAR, um, still being proactive, which is good. Um, they've taken a lot, they take a lot of input from the drivers and teams, uh, especially the drivers with this new car. When we say, Hey, you know, these crashes are hurting worse. Right. Um, you know, when they built the car, they're like, "Hey, this is our car. This is what we're racing with. This is what we're, you know, moving forward. Uh, we're not changing it because you know we want this car to be the same from here on out." Uh, but they've they've listened to us, so I think we missed it a little bit on the safety aspect. Overlooked some some things, um, you know. But it's okay, to say Ricky, we, yeah. we we had flat tires. We couldn't move out of the grass. We yeah. were
1: burning the bottom up. Yeah. You know, uh, we're they're, they're
2: constantly changing them to to make them right, and uh, you know us as drivers appreciate uh, them taking our advice at least on some of the things, and then taking team advice on um, you know on on certain areas of the race car. So, yeah, I think we we swung and missed on a few things. I think you know the the competitiveness is unreal right now. I feel Off like the charts you can <laughs> show up each better. each and every weekend. You don't know who's gonna win. Uh, you really don't. And I feel like, you know, our sport was so predictive on. Yeah, Jimmy you know, Johnson hey, was going to win. We, you know, <laughs> out of these five cars, they're, you know, one of these guys is going to win and they're going to win you know, five or 10 races. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the last season with the old car, Larson won, what, 10 or 11 races that year. And that can still be done with this car, but uh, he's going to, you know, that person's going to have to beat different people every week. And so I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. All right. And so for the last one, uh, we are in an era where we see unprecedented amount of fines and penalties. We have never, you know, as we speak, we we got another one coming out against Eric Jones. You know, you're going to see it when you get off here, they messed with the greenhouse and you know, all these points and 75 every week. You know, so they say the, the penalty money goes into the NASCAR foundation. This year, the foundation is going to have more money than they've ever had. So what is your opinion on the unprecedented fines and penalties in NASCAR history this year?
2: So NASCAR, uh, I would say, came out when they built this new car and designed it, gave it to the team, said, if you mess with it, it is going to be bad, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, so... And we saw that, I think, from the very first race, you know, with uh, RFK and, like, them drilling out their wheels. I mean, they gave them a $100,000 fine or whatever that that penalty was. They started looking at everything, you know, retracted that. But, you know, I mean, they were, they were pretty clear right off the bat. And, you know, from everything that I've seen so far, um, a lot of the issues that they've had are pretty – you know, blatantly obvious, like, it's not like, Hey, should we find them? Should we not? You made it's just like, part by yourself. You, you messed up. Right. And yeah. so, um, but it seemed, you know, I would think that that teams would learn, uh, not to do things after the first few penalties of right. $250,000 money, you know, whatever in a hundred points, but man, it doesn't seem like they're learning very much at all. So, um, you know, us at JTG Doherty Racing, uh, I feel like we've learned a lot throughout some of the tests that we've done. And there's definitely, you know, areas of the car you want to push. But I mean, there's there's definitely areas that you do not want to go and, uh, and mess with. And uh, NASCAR is trying to make that clear. Uh, but it seems like uh, people are still trying to push those limits. So, uh, yeah, like you said, the, the NASCAR Foundation probably isn't going to have to do any uh, charity events this year. Uh, they got them in tech uh, so they can cut their budget on charity events.
1: We'll, we'll end it like this, this uh, this new hooking. Uh, it seems that we've got that about halfway through the year here. NBC's taken over. Fox, you know, has got one more race and it seems like the front end is so strong on this next gen car that hitting people and spinning them out, it, you can't do it anymore. That's right. Do you, do you think that's where the hooking technique, you
2: know, the is, is that why the hooking thing's so popular? Is that the only way to wreck people? No, I think that's just because people get frustrated and mad, and that's the easiest way to wreck somebody. <laughs> is there so, any other way to um, wreck
1: somebody, Ricky?
2: Yeah, that's the easiest way uh, <laughs> to not get yourself wrecked, right? Like, I mean, if you hit them in the left rear, you don't know which way they're going to spin, but you know if you hook them in the right side, they're going to the right, you're going to the left, so... Good point. Um, I feel like that is uh, that's probably their thought process behind that, uh, and it's definitely worked. Uh, I guess, except for Chase, he caught himself up in it but um yeah it's it's not good you know again uh nascar listened to us about we feel like the cars need to be safer so in turn when you got guys wrecking each other at the end of a straightaway you know right hooking them into the fence you know those are those are things where nascar is like hey y'all are complaining about the cars not being safe yet y'all are going to wreck somebody intentionally the way you're doing it Uh, we're going to step in. So um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we kind of made NASCAR play their hand there a little bit. Yeah.
1: Well, well, Ricky, listen, uh, I could have definitely made this interview longer. I could have touched on your great car owners. I could have touched more on your relationship with Jennifer and Richard Marshall, but we find it's time to go, my friend. And (laughs) uh, thank you so very much. And I want to remind everybody like I do at the end of every show, Remember, we are in podcast form. You can listen to Ricky Stenhouse as you leave the house on your way to work. And when you head back home, you listen to the rest of the everywhere.
2: show.
1: What's that? You listen to it everywhere. That's right. We're in Spotify, iTunes. Remember to like and subscribe. We're getting so close to that 100,000 subscribers. We're going to put that trophy right up here. Heck yeah. Everybody. But uh, we love you all. Ricky, want to thank you very
2: much, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure having conversations with you. You it's always pleasure, make me feel everybody. like I'm ready to go out and, and, and compete and win the world. So uh, I'm ready for Sonoma this weekend. And you can get it done
1: there because that new car has definitely proved the point. that anybody can get it done in a cheer right. year. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody.